Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, I'm going to share on uh, Full of Compassion part 4. And I don't know if this will be the last one or the fourth one of five or I don't know what I'm doing yet. But I'll figure it out. I guess open your Bibles. I guess you could, you know, if you got your iPhone, whatever you got going on, open your tablet. <laughs> I prefer, I heard uh, Bill Johnson say this. I thought this was so good. He said, I don't mind people using their tablet or their iPhone. He said, it just needs to be an app that actually you hear the pages turn when you, when you flip. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought that was great. Somebody needs to invent that. Somebody does. I don't know. Where are you at? Whoever you techie people are, get that done. (laughs) We're talking about being full of compassion, and we're not talking specifically about us being full of compassion, even though that's a good thing. We're talking about God's motivation to us. Do you know that God has never, if he did sleep, he doesn't wake up in the morning in a bad mood and look at you and go, hmm, I think I'm going to strike him with lightning today. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, the Lord never has what we would call a bad day. He's steady. Amen? And so we're looking at his motivation, and and I want to read just a few things here why it's important to understand this motivation of compassion as far as the Lord is concerned. And the definition of compassion, and I I had given you one before, but I really felt like the Lord said, just narrow it down a little bit, so I did. It says this, compassion is a merciful nature that is compelled to remove pain, suffering, and infirmities from humanity. It is a tender heart that supplies the needs and wants of humanity, especially the humble. You say, what do you mean by especially the humble? Those that will yield to him. Do you know that a lot of times uh, people, especially Christians, if they have a weird understanding of, of their relationship with the Lord and they don't really understand their righteousness... They're like, when, when they get beat up, they, they're like, yeah, God probably did this and I probably deserve it. Now, you may deserve it. <laughs> I'm probably not going to question that because I know me, okay? We do things that are wrong, but that is not God's motivation. His motivation, in fact, if we got what we, would, what we, what we deserved, I mean, I don't know if creation ever would have come because he knew we were going to sin before we got here. His motivation is compassion. God is not looking to uh, hinder you from fulfilling everything that he's completed in you. He's looking to keep you in line with him and in his understanding of who he is so that you can be completely fulfilled in everything that he's created in you. To have compassion is to love tenderly, to pity, to show mercy, to be full of eager yearning. So far in the series we've looked at, it is very important. We've made these statements. It's very important to the Lord how we see him. This is why he sent Jesus as the pinnacle of his expression in the earth. It is not what God can do, but what we know he yearns to do that inspires faith. It is not 
faith in God's power that secures his blessings, but faith in his love and in his will. We made this statement, God cannot say more to the human race than what he did in Jesus. The scripture, in fact, to the point where in Colossians it says, he's the exact, the the perfect expression of the Father. Jesus is. There's not a more perfect expression of God, the God of the universe, than Jesus. It's perfect. Not one miss, and we're going to prove that today scripturally. People rarely question God's power, but they will doubt his willingness to use it on their behalf. I have watched God minister so powerfully to homosexuals that they weep under the power of God. I have watched God. I watched God one time. We were downtown at Jake's, and we were eating. It was late at night, and we were coming out, and Heidi was with me and her sister. And we were going out to the car, and there's a drunk man stumbles up to me and says some nasty thing. I don't remember what it was. And I knew, I mean, the power of God came on me. I'm like, oh, you're about to be sober. (laughs) And he was before I was done. Or I should say before the Lord was done. And I led him to the Lord right then. And he was sober. God doesn't. You could be higher than the highest kite. And God can bring you back to now. And sober and sane just like that. For the humble. For those. How many really righteous people did Jesus heal? Goose eggs. None. You say, prove it. He hadn't died yet. Doctrine settled. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's not writing you about all your faults. Come on. He's not haranguing you and, uh, and, and talking over you death and sin and failure. And he's not doing it. He, he has no condemnation to administer. None. He's not condemning anybody. Now, he will convince you or We use the word conviction in church circles. He'll convince you that the way you're living is not the best. But he won't browbeat you into submission. He's giving you opportunity because we're in an age of grace to come to him and experience his graciousness. Amen? People rarely question God's power, but they will doubt his willingness to use it on their behalf. God will never forget us. We saw this last week. We are tattooed on the palm of each of his hands. The word tattooed, we saw this in Isaiah. It actually, this word, this idea of impressed or, or engraved, it has to do with engraving or to cut into. We saw last week, Jesus is forever human 
and his flesh and bone body is marked or engraved with the marks of compassion. Jesus is deity and became humanity without losing deity. And Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, did not go back to strictly deity. He's still deity and... Come on, do you see that cross up there? It bridges the gap between God and you and me. He's forever human. People sometimes say, I just wish God knew how I felt. Boy, howdy. He knows more how it feels to be human than we do. (laughs) We read a... Uh, I'm not going to read it, but Psalms 145, verse 8 and 9 at the beginning, talking about the Lord's compassion. He's full of compassion, which means he has no empty space. Full. It has been reported that there are 8,810 promises in the Bible. But without an understanding of God's desire to fulfill those promises in our lives, many believers are left knowing truth intellectually but never experientially. We must believe in God's willingness as well as his power. Mark chapter 1, verse number 14 says this. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What was he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel turn around and believe in the gospel so John was put in prison Jesus went about preaching and what did he mean he made a statement he made a statement and he went around preaching the statement that the kingdom of God he went around preaching the king the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom of God He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said this, and I read one commentary on this and I thought, this is so good. He said, they they made this statement, while we normally think of the word kingdom as a place, in Mark's vocabulary, it implies the authority to rule in that place. The scholar's version translates this word as imperial rule. So kingdom means imperial rule. You may say, what does this have to do with compassion? Because see, he established an imperial rule when he came to this earth. And the imperial rule was, while you were yet sinners, I'm going to die for you. The imperial rule is I'm motivated by graciousness, by compassion, mercy. I'm gonna, the imperial rule that Jesus established by God the Father's di- di- direction and direct influence and impact was this. I'm going to show you how good I really am. I'm going to reveal to you through my son, through imperial rule, through kingdom activity in the earth, to humanity, from the unseen, I'm going to establish to you how I'm motivated.
Jesus' proclamation that the kingdom of God is at hand is therefore a muscular word. I like muscular words. It implies movement, a kind of stirring, a battle challenge to all who oppose God's authority. Come on, and people think, yeah, Jesus is going to come and he's going to kill all the people I don't like. <laughs> Except our battle is not against. So, who was challenging God's authority? The devil. The devil is described as violent. The scripture says that God found violence in him. That word violence is a disruption in the divinely established order of things. So Jesus came and said, imperial rule, crippled, walk. <laughs> Some of you saw it right there. Just wait, it's going to get gooder. He said, imperial rule, insanity, sane. He said, imperial rule, legion, you're done. Now, I could take this a direction because the imperial rule has been handed down. Come on, remember, we took communion. Everything he is. The only adequate response to the proclamation of the kingdom is repentance and faith. These parallel notions denote not sorrow, but the wholesale turning of, the self, of self toward God. To accept the reign of God is to remove oneself from its centralized position of authority and thus move to move at last, not only into right relationship with God, but into relationship with the self as well. In other words, you find out who you are in Him. Mark chapter 1, down in verse 40. The Lord's compassion makes Him willing. And this is the main point that I want you to see. Mark chapter 1, verse number 40 says this. Now a, leper, uh, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, that word willing means if you desire, you can make me clean. Do you see this is today too? Lord, heal me if it be thy will. Now watch, we're going to answer that question if it be his will Today. Modern theology, F.F. Bosworth said this, modern theology magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies his compassion. His power more than it does the great fact that the exceeding greatness of his power is to usward. The statement was made by the gentleman, if thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean, if you will. Few, if any, doubt the ability of God. 
But many doubt the willingness and love of God to do all things for his children today. The reason Christ healed this man and all others was because it was the will of God. He did nothing that was not the will of God. Jesus did nothing that was not the will of God. Now, before we get to verse 41, let's see if that's true. John chapter uh, 5, verse number 17. says this. Now, some of this, some of this, some of this will mess with people's theology, except for Jesus said it. Jesus said, he answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Why was Jesus doing what he was doing? Because the father was doing. Verse number 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do what? The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the, for whatever he does, the son also does. So what was Jesus doing when he was healing people? The will of the father. I don't know about you, but my Bible reads, he's the same yesterday John chapter 8, verse number 18. Come on, you need to mark these down or put them in your notes or go back and listen after we're done. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse number 18. He said, I am one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. John chapter 5, go back there, verse number 30. We'll see these statements again. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John chapter 6, verse number 38. We're in the word now. Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is the exact expression of the Father. John chapter 7, verse number 16. Jesus says, answered and said to them, my doctrine is not my own. It's not my own, but his who sent me. Jesus didn't even preach what he wanted to preach. He preached whatever the Father gave him. Chapter 8 again, verse number uh, 26 says this. I have many things to say to you and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak, I speak to the world those things which I have Heard from him. Verse number 28, again, in John chapter 8, Jesus says it again. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do. But as my Father taught me, 
I speak these things. Imperial rule. It's a muscular word. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Come on, not my opinion. Verse 29, and he who sent me is with me, Jesus said. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Let me ask you something. Was God in heaven going, stop healing the multitudes, Jesus? This is displeasing me. No, no. He went around just healing, delivering, setting free, knocking devils in the head, putting them in pigs. Why? Imperial rule. Chapter 8, verse number 42. John chapter 8, verse number 42. Just down a little ways. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he what? Sent me. John chapter 16. Verse number 28. You say, is it necessary to give all these? Absolutely. I don't want you to think it's just a a denominational thing. John chapter 18. Or did I say 16? I, I meant 16, yeah. 16, verse number 28. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go back to the Father. Where did he come from? From the Father. John chapter 8. Let's go back there. Verse number 50 and 54 says this, verse number 50, And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. So Jesus wasn't after his own. Jesus answered, verse 54, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. You know, they said God was their Father and they couldn't recognize his Son. Jesus didn't speak of himself, uh, of his own will, his own volition. He didn't go and heal of himself. He didn't go deliver of himself. He didn't walk around under an anointing doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted it. He did exactly what the compassionate heart of Father God desired. And that meant uh, destroying and removing the works of the devil off of people's lives. Because God is full of compassion. And people say, well, what about all these things that are going wrong? What about the judgments that need to take place? That is not for us to be concerned about. We are not on the throne of heaven as the judge. God is. He'll take care of it. Rest your mind. Do as the scripture has declared. Follow the Lord and trust that his justice and righteousness will proceed forth and bring forth what you need and desire in your own life. Trust his promises. Leave the work of world order in God's hands. I didn't say don't pray. I said stop trying to be God. 
You, you, pe- people do this. They, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, almost, you can feel it. They're like, they get panicky in prayer. And your prayers aren't going, they're, they're coming out of your mouth if you're in fear and they're going, bunk. You have to pray in faith. And faith is a rest. And they that are of faith do enter into rest. Did you, let me, let me, let me just say this. Because sometimes people, I, I get why they get wound up about things that are going on. And it's not wrong to have zeal and passion, of course. We're to be fervent in prayer. But did you know that if somebody is in faith over what the world considers a terrible situation and they're rested, it doesn't mean that they don't care? Do you know that much of the church world, they, they consider care worry? And you're actually harming the situation by worrying over it? Well, you don't know what the diagnosis was. If you did, you would panic like the rest of us. And I want to present this to you. If you know your heavenly father, you know he's not panicked. Ever. I said, ever. He is never worried, not even the slightest. Do you know that the Lord's blood pressure never goes off steady? I'm just, it's a natural example. There's no scripture that says they check his blood pressure, okay? So (laughs) make that clear. He's steady. He's got us. The scripture says that he took on flesh. And when he did that, he delivered us from the fear of death and bondage. By destroying the devil. God is even. He sees your kids. He sees your finances. Come on. He sees your emotions. He sees your internal organs. He sees your blood pressure. Come on. He sees your teeth. Come on. He cares about your hair. He cares about your teeth. He sees your job. He sees the gas prices. He knows what your mortgage is or isn't. He knows what your rent is. He knows your car payment. He knows if you're single or married. Come on. He sees your parents. He sees your grandkids. He sees, and if you'll be in faith with him, you'll enjoy the ride a little bit more. People say, is God really that good? Romans chapter 8, verse number 31 says this. What then shall we say to these things if God be for us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all other things? The answer given in verse 31 is not only the first but also the most definitive response to these questions about the believer's assurance in Christ. There is no need to say more than, if God is for us, who can be against us? But this is the time to celebrate. 
And Paul is just getting warmed up. One commentary said it this way. The cross is the most convincing demonstration of the conviction that God is for us. Is there any possible room for doubt when the cross is the starting point? The only deduction to be made is that his grace will continue toward us. Indeed, his grace is what gives us confidence that we will receive a favorable ruling before the divine court in eternity and right now. There will be no successful charge raised against any believer because God is judge and the ones being charged are his chosen, those who he has justified. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who what? Justifies. Verse 41 as we close of Mark chapter 1. Verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Filled with compassion. One translation says in a passionate rage. Stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Come on. You ready to shout? I hope, you brought your, I hope you wore your clothes to shout in today. I know you got all dolled up and you ironed it and all that stuff. You plucked it and put makeup on it. I get it. But sometimes that just doesn't matter. You just got to get excited about Jesus. Who you have. One translation says, and becoming angry, Jesus. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be clean. The, living, the New Living Translation says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. In the uh, God's Word Translation, it says, Jesus felt sorry for him, reached out, touched him, and said, I'm willing, so be clean. In the Living Bible, it says, and Jesus moved with pity, touched him, and said, I want to be healed. You know, people say, does God want to deliver me? Jesus, thus saith the Lord, I want to. Be free. The message says, deeply moved. Jesus put out his hand, touched him, and said, I want to be clean. Jesus was filled with pity and reached out his hand. The Good News Translation says, I want to, he answered, be clean. Bible in basic English says, and being moved with pity, he put out his hand and touching him said to him, it is my pleasure be made clean. Come on, he touched a leper. Does Jesus care about your situation? I don't care if you're a leper. I don't care if you have disease ridden in you. I don't care if you're a drug addict. I don't care if you're a homosexual. I don't care if you're a transgender. If you will come to him, he will say, it is my good pleasure, and he will touch you, and you will be changed. People think that we're going to see this, uh, that we need to be expecting some sort of fiery judgment from heaven. In a sense, I guess it could be true, but it's going to be devil-consuming fire. And for those who will humble themselves and come to the Lord and say, God, I'm a mess. And he says, yes, I want to come. Be clean.
because he's a God of compassion. Amen? He wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. He wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. He wants to touch your family and your kids and your grandkids more than you want them touched. He wants to work around the world by the fire of his spirit more than you want him to. He knows what's going on all over the world. He desires to burst forth out of the fountains of the earthen vessels of his body to spring forth living water, cleanness, resurrection power, reaching out through you to all of your world. It's his desire. He cares so much about it. Jesus committed to humanity for eternity. He cares so much about it. That Jesus committed to humanity for eternity. We forever, until Christ returns, have an intercessor that has established the kingdom of the muscular word of imperial rule. And the authority and the rule is preach the gospel. And the gospel defined in Greek is the too good to be true good news. And good news to the poor. And good news to the sick. And good news to the confused. And good news to the burden. And good news to those that are dealing with emotional issues and identity issues. And all of these things is not God hates you. It is I will. It is my pleasure. Be clean. I'm really enjoying myself. (laughs) I am telling you. God wants to set you free of the problem you've had for 38 years. In fact, he's already provided the power. I am telling you, he is not a petty, insecure, childish human that says, well, I don't like me. They hurt my feelings. No. He is stable. He is steady. He knows about addictions. And he still says, yep, my pleasure, be clean. He knows about identity issues, and he says, yep, my pleasure, be clean. He knows you're mad at him, and he says, yep, my pleasure, be clean. He knows about the self-hurt things that people do to themselves. Cutting. He knows about, come on. People say, We're, this cutting thing is new. No, no, no. You do remember the madman of Gadara, right? He was crying and cutting himself with stones. And Jesus went and said, my pleasure, be free. Do you see it? 
Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 